It is a crossover edition of the Locked On Nationals and Locked On Mets podcast. I am Josh Neighbors, the host of Locked On Nationals, and joining me today is Ryan Finkelstein. He is the host of Locked On Mets. We have a lot to get to today. We're going to record two shows, so uh, uh, double the fun uh, with Ryan and I today. We're going to talk about the lockout right now. We're going to compare Ryan Zimmerman and David Wright. Interesting kind of career paths, uh, you know, in unison. Uh, for most of their careers. And also we're going to talk about Juan Soto because Ryan and I had a conversation a while ago about Juan Soto to the Mets and Juan Soto's future. The news came out that before the lockout, he turned down a massive contract. We get Ryan's thoughts on that and more, but first it's our intro video. You are locked on nationals. Your daily Washington Nationals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right. Once again, I am Josh Neighbors, host of Locked On Nationals. He is Ryan Finkelstein, the host of Locked On Mets. Ryan, first of all, how are you? It's good to see you. Just another day in the lockout, you know, doing good, doing good. Uh, pretty much just been waiting all week to see some movement and uh, hasn't felt like we've really seen any. So I guess we'll be doing a lot of these shows where we're talking about, you know, future stuff, past stuff, Zimmerman, Soto, because uh, the current product might not be here for a little bit. Yeah. So the deadline that Major League Baseball set before they start canceling games is the 28th, which I believe, uh, let's see, today you and I are recording on Thursday. The 28th, that would make it uh, Monday, Monday, Monday. Monday. Um, And so I've referenced this article, Evan Drellich, he wrote this a while ago, but basically talked about how the best offers usually don't come to like the very end, really, until we get down to it. I think when I when I, you know, they're trying to make progress right now, they're they're meeting every single day. Uh, This probably should have been, been done a bit earlier. You know, I think. When we think about the history of these two sides and really just it's not been always a good working relationship all the time, um, you know, there were a lot of days where they just weren't meeting like in December. Right. And in yeah. parts of January. And you're thinking like, fellas, can we get on the horse maybe a little bit and, and get in the room and start hashing this stuff out? Because like it's not going anywhere. You know what I mean? The issues, the issues are there. We, we got to tackle them. It's the only way to do it. And so now they're pressed for time. I mean, do you think it was always going to end up pressed for time no matter when this deadline was? Or do you think yeah. they probably should have worked on this a bit earlier? That's the most frustrating thing is it's like everyone has known the playbook for each side. And so why not just have conversations the whole time? That's what's been really annoying is it's like you know, the owners are trying to create this leverage by cutting into the season because that is how you get to players getting prorated right. salaries like in the COVID shortened year. You know, the players are trying to avoid that. Everyone knows, you know, what's kind of at stake here. And there just hasn't been any movement. It's great that they're talking now. But, yeah, you know, there was two months where they could have been talking. And it's just that it's the the entire thing is is tired. And, uh, you know, I think we're going to see it go into next week. And that's when the owners feel like the leverage really begins. But uh, I really liked um, whatever report came recently where it was if the the players uh, don't get a full season, their uh, their big kind of leverage plays that they won't do an extend or expanded playoff. I think that might be the one saving grace is, uh, you know, that is a huge revenue stream for the league. So maybe yeah. that is what ultimately gets a deal done is that everyone can agree that 
you have to get something you know to the table that works so that you get as many regular season games for the players and so that the owners get that expanded playoff. Right. And uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, I cover also college sports too. And uh, three of the big conferences just decided to pass up 400, at least $450 million and not expand the college football playoff, which is just bizarre. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, you almost have to do it right because of the um, financial gains, but the players rightfully should use that as, as a, as a bargaining chip. Did you see the Associated Press article about Max Scherzer? Where it's Max Scherzer pulls up and I think was it a Porsche or something like that? Yeah, you I know? saw a little bit of something about that. Like, come on, he, I, I yeah. tweeted. I was like, shocked he has a Porsche. Yeah, I mean, it, really. It's like, what, like, you know, is he supposed to show up in a Honda Civic? Like, what's he supposed there, to do? There, there's first round draft picks that can show up in a Porsche when they get their first signing bonus. Like, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah he makes money. Okay, yeah, it's like okay, you know, the man who makes anything. money is allowed to spend his money on whatever he would like to. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, he's, yeah, it's supposed to take a taxi to the I mean, negotiations. Like, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, yeah, so you know, it's this is that's the frustrating part, right? Is it feels like this this stuff could have been worked on. It, you know, it could have been a, well ahead of time. And what's really interesting, I was working this morning for SiriusXM, working the the SEC show, and right now, obviously, they're excited because baseball, college baseball, has started. But we had former LSU shortstop and currently in the guy in the Cardinals organization, uh, Kramer Robertson, uh, on the show, and. He was basically saying, like, the last time I talked to the team was when they told me what day I had to report. And he's like, I'm just watching television like the rest of you, which is this really yeah. crazy idea, especially for those. Like, he's one of those guys, too. He's, he's fine off. His, his mom is Kim Mulkey, who is uh, coaches LSU women's basketball. Um, so, you know, he's in a decent position. But, like, guys like him, that is a tough life when you're sitting there. And you're not making that much money as it is when you play. And you're like, you know, you're trying to figure out, do I need to pick up another job? Right. Do I need, yeah. do I need to, you know, tell a high school that I can coach for them this year or something like that? I mean, that that's, those are the guys that you think about. And that's where the pressure goes onto the players of, you know, that, that's when you, I, I think the narrative goes, Hey, Max Scherzer, are you going to, you're going to, you're going to crunch those guys who are sitting yeah. there and not making money and don't make that much money as it is and need this. Are you going to hurt those guys? But at some point, I mean, that always happens to players in these negotiations, regardless of sport. And I'm just thinking it'd be really nice to see a players association get a win. The NBA players association has done a pretty good job, but like the NFLs just get steamrolled. I mean, constantly yeah. steamrolled. Like it is one way traffic in those negotiations. Uh, I mean, the 17th game, they got a 17th game. And I was like, this probably not gonna be good for the, for the players, but you know, just, it just, it happened. Um, do you think the players are going to be resolute on this? Do you think we're going to see them stand up and kind of fight for the things that, that they're fighting for and just kind it, of hold, hold yeah, the line? It, it certainly seems like it. The one thing that I was thinking of as you talked about uh, you know, that player is it's you have the Max Scherzers of the world where you know they obviously can stay pretty resolute in, in you know what they're asking for because he's already financially secure. What's interesting is – you have these these guys that were just added to forty man rosters. They're the ones that are the hurt the most is because they, their development stops. If you're mm -hmm. not on the forty, I think the minor league season's going to go on, and you know there's guys in camp right now. So there's some prospects right, right now where they're even getting more attention, and in a weird way, it's almost good for them. Um, you know, just just because they're getting all the major league coaching staff looking at these top prospects right now. But yeah, it's the guys that are in the middle that this is really hurting. The guy that's number 39 on the 40 man roster who right. hasn't made a ton of money. Uh, and so I wonder if that player is going to be, you know, catered to by a players association where let's be honest, the guys that have the, the biggest, you know, voices are the Max Scherzers who 
uh, are going to continue to push for the best deal. And that could, you know, come with a lot of, you know, lost money here for some of those other guys. Right. And, and, and a lot of the minor leaguers, yeah, they're, they're back at it. It's the guys who are normally minor leaguers that are invitees to, to spring training, right. Who are yeah. going to big league camp. Those guys, are the ones who are limbo, it's almost like I'd rather almost start my season in triple a and, and yeah. kind of, you know, get that normality. Cause Ryan, you and I have talked about this a bunch. Like think about the last five, use a five-year window here. Think about the the weirdness of the scheduling, right? So go all the way back to 2019, right? Standard season, okay? Mm. Then you go to 2020. And then at that point in time, it is a non-standard season. And the, uh, the spring training and stuff, it shifts a little bit. Then you go to 2021, regular length season and, and a normal spring training. 2022, spring training is not on time, right? And then you look next year and we're assuming that things go well. Everything will happen on time. So you are having basically 19, 20, 21, 22, and 23 uh, irregularities in terms of how each season has gone. And to me, that's a huge concern because that's not good for the health of the players. I especially think about the pitchers, right? Yeah. You think about those guys just not having a standard ramp up February, right? You know, there's a reason why these guys only throw an inning or two in each of these games, right? Uh, and you can't simulate that game experience you know, anywhere else besides spring training really does help you do that. You know, just get on the mound, umpires, base runners, the whole nine, you know, it allows you to do those things and guys are missing out. And also, you know, the health part of it, like guys like Steven Strasburg, right. You know, uh, guys, you know, uh, like uh, Patrick Corbin who needs a rebound, right. So guys are dealing with injuries right now and, uh, you know, trying to come back guys like Joe Ross too. And then guys, you know, like Patrick Corbin who are trying to rebound. It's just this really it's a really difficult situation for those guys when it's like, man, I'm not feeling okay or that, or I'm not playing very well. I was looking forward to getting there on time and starting and getting after it. And it's just, it's just so disruptive. I think. Yeah. And on top of that, you also have, you know, baseball is so much about numbers, right? So if someone's going to be a free agent next year and now maybe they only get 130 games instead of 162 games, you know, maybe they hit 24 home runs instead of 30 home runs and it starts to, maybe cut into how they're perceived as a free agent too. There's, there's a lot of uh, fallouts from, from missing games and, and from changing, you know, the, the, as you said, the regularity of what the baseball calendar used to be. So uh, I don't know, hopefully there's some, some crazy amount of, of movement over the next like 72 hours here because we're really getting down to it. But uh, I just feel like we're going to be missing at least some time here. I would, I would, I would be shocked if we got a full 162 at this point, to be honest. Yeah, and and I mean, I am a fan. Uh, I don't think we should be playing 162. I think <laughs> I, I I don't believe in that either. Uh, no, I don't want it to happen like this. I am for shortening the regular season, expanding the playoffs. I think that to me is is a reasonable way to go about this. Um, one quick word from our sponsors here, and then we're going to kind of move towards a different topic. Talk about Ryan Zerman and David Wright. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Built Bar. You guys can go to Built.com. That's Built.com and check out all of the available flavors that they have right now. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. That sounds really, really good. Uh, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams of net carbs, 17 grams of protein, and the majority of the Built Bars. You guys can go to Built.com today. That's Built.com, promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15. You get 15% off at built.com. Uh, all right. So we just ha- had the news last last week. Too. I, uh, you know, everything's running together now. Ryan Zimmerman, uh, it was last week. Yeah. Retiring. 
Um, and so I thought it was a smart move. When you think about where the Mets are, or the Nationals, excuse me, are right now, um, they're trying to figure out out of all these guys, their own prospects and also guys they traded for last year in the fire sale, who can be a part of the team, right? Who's going to be a part of it. And so Ryan Zerman taking that kind of DH backup first baseman role actually really doesn't do a whole lot for you, right? It's just kind of blocking somebody else. And I think he fully understood that. Now, also, he, he got to say yesterday, he went out on his own terms, which we love to see. Love it when athletes get to go out. You know, He could have come back and played. He said he didn't want to anymore. Uh, the game, you know, the, the, the game usually tells you when you're done, not for him. He got to have that luxury in the end. So I like the situation. I was happy about it, but it made me think about other guys, you know, like this. And David Wright was the, the guy who popped in my mind. Obviously different situation. The Mets have been around for a lot longer. Ryan Zerman was, you know, the first nationals draft pick, uh, but their careers coincided uh, together and injuries did force David Wright. But, you know, it feels like these guys were never always the usually not the best player on the team, right? Um, in, in some situations, but they were kind of the face of the team, right? They were kind of the guy, you know, dudes would come and go, but the one kind of constant there always w- were David Wright and Ryan Zerman. So just want to know what you thought about that comparison and also, uh, you know, your thoughts on Zerman as somebody who covered him from the opponent perspective. Yeah, I mean, I think you look at the two of them, for a lot, large part of their early careers, they were compared to each other because they played mm-hmm. the same position in the same yeah. division. So it was that was always natural. It was you know which one's the better defensive third baseman, and then I think for both of them that kind of tailed off uh, throughout <laughs> their careers pretty significantly. But yeah, it's, it, it was uh, good to see him retire on his own terms. It was good to see him retire only playing with the Nationals. I just wrote an article for Just Baseball last week talking about Zimmerman and Posey and Kyle Seager all retiring and how we don't see a lot of these guys anymore that can spend a decade with the team and be this like franchise icon. And Zimmerman certainly was that. Uh, And David Wright in a similar way, if you go through Mets history, the best Mets, a lot of them weren't homegrown. They were traded for if it was Mike Piazza or Keith Hernandez. And a lot of them didn't spend their whole careers with one team. So David Wright is, is kind of unique in that way with the Mets as well, that he spent his entire career with the Mets and, Got to retire sort of on his own terms. Yeah, he, to, he got to come back and, and play that one game that was kind right. of a gimmicky uh, type deal there. But he was able to get back onto the field and, as he said, you know, get his uh, get, get like a what was it the 2018 season or the 17, but get like a uh, a mark on his baseball reference page that he played right. that year. But right. uh, it, it's crazy though that the where the two of them were early on, Zimmerman had a lot of injuries early in his career that he ended up playing so much longer than Wright did. Yeah. And for David Wright, it was, it was tough in the end. And, you know, I always thought about David Wright, like he talked about extensively how much work he had to do before games. Yeah. You know what I mean, Crazy. um, it reminded me of, you know, Tiger talked about it all the time when he was coming back, like the amount, you know, when he wakes up for an early round at seven o'clock, he's up at like four stretching. Yeah. And and and, roll, and that was David. It was David Wright too. And think about this: the, the volume of games that you play in Major League Baseball, like that, is mentally just so draining to get yourself ready. And and you know, I, I think uh, I, the thing is for him, it, it ended. It sucks how it ended, but you know, fond memories for him across the board. And then for Ryan Zerman, also to you know to have a World Series there towards the end, still be a pretty decent player as well was a, a positive thing because there's a little bit of time where it looked like he was a, a corpse uh, yeah. a few years ago. He really sucked and then came back and, and, and picked it up again. But 
um, yeah, just two guys who, you know, were kind of the captain, uh, the, the, yeah. the face, uh, if you will. And, and now uh, we'll see the Nationals do to replace. They got some interesting guys. Riley Adams, a guy they got in the Brad Hand trade. Um, can't believe somebody traded for Brad Hand. Unbelievable. Uh, they, the funny part, I always mention this, is like the Nats could have had Brad Hand in the end of the season if they wanted them. Like if they wanted oh, yeah. to put Brad Hand back on the team, it's like, yeah, we traded you and you're already back because you were so bad. Uh, obviously, I know he was you know, with the Mets for a little bit too. It was weird to see him. Uh, yeah. playing with Mets last year, but yeah, they're in a spot where, you know, they're, they're going to see with what they have. Um, are the Mets you think done eh, with any moves with, with their moves this off season? Do you think they have a couple um, more to make? I, I think they have a couple more to make. What's interesting is it just kind of depends on when, the, you know, how quick of a ramp up you have. I, I wonder, um, you know, is, is there, has there been some conversation going on during this period? Like, are we going to get like a, uh, you know, NBA free agency type deal where just the, the, the league opens and a million transactions come in. I got to imagine that we're going to see a lot. Um, the Mets have to add to their bullpen that they likely want to add another starting pitcher. So I'm sure there's going to be more moves to be made. I don't know what the Nationals are going to do if there's uh, and yeah, they just got to get some bodies still. Right. I mean, you would imagine right. they still have to fill out their lineup, their rotation, just just to get through a season. The, the sure pitching, a the of- pitching is what is what is what's concerning. Because honestly, they, they were pretty decent hitting last year, and even at, well, well you have one, yeah, Soto. Juan Soto, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, everything kind of falls into place around him. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about him in a little bit here. Um, I saw something the other day that was like, I, I saw an article. I forget who wrote it. It's like, should the Nationals target Carlos Correa? It's like, no. Oh, you know, that's a, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's like, no. Well, they had why? Trey Turner. I mean, what, if you're, you're going to pay look, a shortstop and, and Soto. <sighs> You had Trey Turner, so it makes no sense. Why I they think even I, I did hear the idea that like it's like, look, you can trade Trey, reap the rewards, and then go and get another good shortstop in the offseason. Sure, yeah, but but the Nationals, like, what's the point? Now, I'm the kind of person that that I'm not sure how you feel about this. Um, don't do all of your shopping at once, in my opinion, right? Don't don't make every single move you have to make in one offseason all yeah. of a sudden. And so I think it's good to get guys like if they re-sign Josh Bell for three to four years, right? There's one more guy you don't have to worry about, right? Josh Bell, we kind of know what he is. Pretty stable guy, provides some power. Had a decent season last year after he uh, came back from COVID earlier on. Was, you know, really struggled, but we kind of know what he is, right? I think a guy like a Kyle Schwarber, who they knew they really they enjoyed playing in D.C. and had a lot of success there in a short amount of time. You give a guy like that three, four years, right? You don't have to worry about it, especially now with the D.H., Right. So these are guys that just kind of fit in seamlessly. And I actually think the Mets got a few of those contracts. I think the Escobar one and was Mark was Mark Hanna two years or is that? Yeah, was that two, two years also. The and then jealous, Marte yeah. was four, four. Was four. Yeah. Um, so maybe not maybe not four, but I would say, yeah, three years, you know, and it's a guy that's going to be there for them because the, the thing the Nationals have to contend with right now is they get Cesar Hernandez, who like it's a one year thing. He's not a bad player. Right. But he, it is he's just. You know what? He's actually one of those guys, though, that he, he's always pretty solid. Yeah. And he, I feel like he's going to play for like 25 teams by the time. He, he just gets like right. one year deals all he's the, a, ever since the Phillies, the D, or yeah, the DFA or non tendered him a couple years ago. He just been with the Indians one year. There's a group just, of guys I feel like who play for all the NL East teams, right? I think, yeah. uh, who was it? Was it Denny Echevarria, I feel like played for. Oh, yeah. He, he like might have played for like three of them in one year. It's on the yeah. Mets, the yeah. Braves, the Marlins he started with. So, yeah. Yeah, he passed around a lot. I feel like Hernandez might be that guy, but they've got him. They've got Alcides Escobar, um, which is like, like you know, he was decent. I remember. He yeah, had a good he's start. 
and also the championship experience, right? The guy was a leadoff hitter on a championship on a World Series win. We, um, you know, as you know very well, uh, yeah. you know, leadoff hitter uh, who swings at the first pitch. Not sure why they're groove and fastball, but um, you know, that's a guy that I think as this team has kind of been dismantled, they're kind of running out of guys that are position players that were there for the championship. Right. They, they, you know what the nationals need to get? I, I feel like, uh, like they need to get like Jonathan VR, like the, those yes. are the type of players where it's just, you know, it, it's, they're, they're not really great players, but you put them in your starting lineup. They're going to get two hits. They're never going to walk. They're going to hit like 280 with a 290 on base percentage. That is LCD's but you, but you, it's, it's the same thing. Yeah, exactly. You know what, though? When, when you don't really have a lot going on, you right. get those guys and they move things along and they'll win you some games. You know, you, there'll be a, a Thursday night where the, the 10,000 people at Nationals Park will get to enjoy LCD's Escobar winning them a game, you know? Right. And, the, and then, you know, like they also got Michael Franco, which was, I actually think oh, it was pretty interesting. I kind of I thought it was actually kind of interesting. I think it's one of those where it's like, would you be surprised if it's like change of scenery? Michael Franco hit thirty home runs this year. No, because uh, I've like, seen I've seen it before, but but he's also going to hit like one ninety, right? With like with like a two fifty on base, but he's going to run into fifteen twenty. I, I don't know about thirty. Though, but... they need that for Keeboom. They got to have somebody press Keeboom because it's like, you know, they can't just have. I mean, he's got to have some pressure on him. It's, it's about time that he steps up. And he plays, but think about th- both catchers from the championship team are gone. Zerman is now gone. Um, Gerardo Parra back. I mean, he's, got uh, he back, is, right? he's part-timer. He, if I think if they're short on people, they'll bring him back. Um, you know, uh, Howie Kendrick, he, he uh, retired and Trey Turner was traded the way, um, you know, uh, all of these guys, Redone obviously was gone. Uh, Scherzer's now gone. And so like, you're talking about experienced dudes. Juan Soto is like, <laughs> like, the oh, guy yeah. because Victor Robles was around, but he's he's so he's got to worry about himself. He can't worry about helping anybody else out right now. He's got to get his own stuff straight. So it's like, who are the veteran presences, uh, you know, right now? Because they got a bunch of young, interesting guys. Like Lane Thomas was awesome last year. We'll see that you know, moves forward. Uh, obviously, K. Barrett Ruiz is going to be a guy we look at. Riley Adams was awesome last year, and I think he'll take over that first base DH role. Uh, you know, so they've got a lot of questions to be asked, but I, I wouldn't, you know, I'm not breaking the bank, but I do think it's, a, it is good to get guys because like if, if the Nats end up putting together a decent bullpen, they could, they could get themselves a lot closer and you don't want to have to do all of your business really fast. Right. Let's just say they re-sign, re-sign one, they get that done and they have a decent year where the lineup does pretty well. And uh, the bullpen is a lot better than last year. And it's hard to see it being worse. You know, then you're like, all right, let's see, let's let's put a couple guys together here, but you don't have to do all of your business at one time. That makes, makes sense. I think that Mike Rizzo is one of those GMs that uh, is really good at finding those little pieces to plug in, and then if the Nationals just happen to be in the mix at the deadline, and you have you know Juan Soto with an MVP season, then they could maybe try to add an arm here or a bat there to to right. actually go for it. Otherwise, you know they'll have a couple pieces that they'll likely be able to flip. You know, kind of like. They got something for Brad Hand and, and some of the other trades that they made maybe that were they a somehow more. got a player for John Lester, which was did, did they did they have did they trade Josh Harrison? Yeah, they traded he was he went to Oakland with um with yeah, young so they got something. I don't know what they got. Yeah, they, sure those guys it. haven't played yet at all. Uh they got Mason Thompson when they sent he's been pretty decent. Uh Daniel Hudson over to San Diego. So they got a they got a collection of guys. Um but before we finish this first part of our conversation, Ryan, what is the one player you'd like to see the Mets sign? Once the lockout's over, 
Um, I would probably say Andrew Chafin, uh, as mm-hmm. far as addressing the bullpen. And then if like, if we're talking about a starting pitcher, I'd probably say Zach Greinke. Oh, I like that old man Greinke. Hold down. I, I just, down I just think he makes sense. You got to have another durable pitcher with that Mets rotation right now. And Zach Greinke, if nothing else, will take the ball every fifth day. He's old. He, he's he is old. quite old. Yeah, uh, you got an old rotation though. So why not? Yeah, there you go. Uh, all right. Uh, today's show is brought to you by Bet Online. Our friends at Bet Online and BetOnline.net. I'm not sure if they have odds about when the lockout will end, but they should. <laughs> uh, that'd be fun to bet on. You guys can go to Bet Online and BetOnline.net today. They've got uh, basketball, college and pro, football futures. I'm sure they got some stuff up for the draft already. They've got UFC. They've got boxing. They've got futures on Formula One, and they've got odds for NASCAR, along with Vegas casino games as well. So go to Bet Online and BetOnline. .net today it's the best place to get in on the sports action it is where the game starts all right Ryan this will be the end of part 1 but please plug uh, your show and all of your other work where can people find you uh, they can find me on twitter at finkelstein ryan they can find locked on mets wherever they get locked on nationals you can also check out some of the writing i do at justbaseball.com awesome uh and you guys can find me at josh neighbors underscore on twitter the show is called Locked On Nationals. You guys can find it on YouTube and wherever you guys get your podcast. All right, we're going to record part two, talk a little Juan Soto. Uh, but thanks for listening, everybody.